Hey everyone, this is Urban Luck, and I'm your host, Alexis Duran. Today, we're taking a dive into Chicago's ethnic neighborhoods. We'll also be diving into the street vendor scene and its role in fighting, yet sometimes facilitating, gentrification. So please, sit back, enjoy your favorite imported candies, and without further ado, let's get started. If you've spent as much time exploring Chicago as I have, then I'm sure you've already come to notice the vast amount of consolidated, homogeneous neighborhoods primarily spread through the south and the west sides of the city. When I say homogeneous, I'm referring to how these neighborhoods are primarily and overwhelmingly made up of people from either one ethnicity, cultural background, or national origin. Major examples of this are Chinatown, an established home for Chinese products, Little Village in Pilsen, two bastions of Mexican culture, and Bronzeville, a mainstay of African-American art. Although today these communities are generally full of people who wish to be there, that wasn't always the case. These monocultural communities are remnants of racist zoning laws and discriminatory renting practices that lasted throughout the early to mid 20th century and it resulted in the formation of what we know as ethnic enclaves throughout the city. Ethnic enclaves are known in sociology as established landing pads for people of specific ethnic groups. These enclaves in Chicago were established by the people of the groups that had to adapt and bypass the racist zoning laws. As they found places in which they could live, more and more people of their same background began to follow them into these areas. Soon, these ethnic neighborhoods began to form, and they consolidated the economic power of the area by creating businesses that sold cultural goods or imports from the homeland. Economic power is a key part of ethnic enclaves, and these businesses would form the commercial districts that we today know as 26th Street, 18th Street, and Cermak Road. It was soon that these enclaves weren't just attracting people in the Chicago area, or actually even the country, but also foreign countries where the languages of these areas made it a very attractive living destination in the United States. The early to late 90s was the prime of Chicago's ethnic enclaves, specifically in the neighborhood of Little Village, where Mexican immigrants were coming in on a daily basis and had expanded from the original confines of 26th Street into the greater South Lawndale area. My parents were actually part of this group, and just like everyone else, they found it easy to assimilate into their environment. As the businesses had already been formed, residents of Little Village could enjoy anything they could in their home country, ranging from Mexican cuisine and clothing to cooking essentials. There was also a second branch of businesses, the street vendors. Street vendors specialized in not only selling imported goods and dried fruits, but also novelty items from Mexico that could not be found anywhere else. These businesses existed in harmony, and the residents of Little Village saw that they would last forever. And that was the case. That is, until those very residents, that being that last wave of recent immigrants, began to not only modernize, but become more Americanized. You see, fresh off the boat, 
immigrants that arrived in Little Village arrived with no knowledge of the surrounding city. When they needed to go shopping for food, they would do so at the neighborhood grocery store. When there was a need for medical care, they would go to the small doctor's office on 26th Street. When someone was in need of socks, clothing, or any other bare essentials, they would go to the neighborhood Zemskis or dollar stores. However, as this population began to find manufacturing jobs outside of South Lawndale, they were in need of transportation and as a result, they started to drive. As immigrants began to drive, this opened the door to the rest of the city for them. In a matter of years, most immigrant families went from shopping at the local grocery store to the Pete's Market on Pulaski. When one thought of buying socks or a pair of work shirts, they no longer thought of the neighborhood dollar store, but rather they thought about the Walmart on Cicero. The immigrant population of the 90s, now with American-born children and mixed family statuses, were modernizing at a rate that disrupted the harmony of the local businesses. These businesses were now competing with megacorporations. Twenty Sixth Street today is a shell of what it used to be. Nowadays, the first thing one notices when walking down Twenty Sixth are all the vacant lots. Small businesses are a thing of the past. Now, it's more common to see chain stores such as Family Dollar or Slice Factory. You may be asking yourself, why is this happening? To answer your question, we have to observe how once most of the immigrants from the 90s assimilated and gathered wealth, they ended up moving to suburbs like Cicero, or they bought homes in Midway, leaving behind the more recent and significantly poorer wave of immigrants behind. Soon, gentrification saw chance and began to pour in from the neighboring community of Pilsen. Despite this, the street vendor scene of the 90s adapted to the changing landscape of 26th Street. Up next, I'll be interviewing my girlfriend, an experienced street vendor, on her experiences. Hey, can you just introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, so my name is Miriam Gama. I'm the co-owner of Asinarte Artesanías Mexicanas, which is a small family-owned business, and we bring exported goods from Mexico, and we sell them here in the city of Chicago. Yeah, thank you for being here. I know that you and your family are very involved in the street vendor scene, and actually have been for quite a while now. And I just wanted to ask, what does it mean to you to be a street vendor? Uh, well, for me, it means being able to provide for my family while sharing our culture with the city of Chicago. Yeah, I know culture plays a big role in what is being a street vendor. And 26th Street actually used to serve a very similar purpose like that. The businesses on 26th used to serve as portals to the homeland where people would come and buy imported Mexican goods. What do you think makes being a street vendor different or unique? from what a business is on 26th Street? Yeah, so I believe that what makes us unique is that we're able to collab with other street vendors and we're able to move around the city. That way we're not tied down to one place and we're able to bring our products to different people. 
So you mentioned different customers. How do you think that's contributed to the success of street vendors? Yeah, so by being able to move around all over the city, we are able to reach different types of customers that aren't exposed to the culture as much, as opposed to if we were to be in 26th Street, where people have their own means of getting exported goods from Mexico. You mentioned selling to people who aren't as familiar with the culture. By that, do you mean primarily white folk? Yeah, that's actually the irony of it. Um, a big percentage of our clients are white, and although they do help support our vendors, they are the contributing cause to gentrification and why so many businesses here on 26th have been closing down. But I guess if gentrification isn't something that can be stopped, um, the tradition of importing Mexican goods can still live on through street vendors. As we stand right now, gentrification continues on 26th Street's west side. The Novak Corporation is planning a shopping plaza right in front of Little Village's famous arc, and the commodification of culture is becoming essential for street vendors to make a living. Maybe you're wondering, what can we do about this? Are we doomed to suffer the same fate as Pilsen, where local Mexican businesses turned into coffee and brunch shops overnight? I don't believe so. Historically, the Mexican people have been a people with resistance in their blood. Today, amidst all of the gentrification, community groups exist that are fighting gentrification. Groups such as Pilsen Alliance and Little Village United, which have successfully primaried the aldermen that hurt our communities and campaigned against the interests that have facilitated the gentrification of our home. Just as my father built this community, I know that I'll do my part in maintaining it. I'm Alexis Duran, and this was Urban Look.